You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here in the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today is August 18th, 2021. And on today's show, we discuss the Washington Nationals 12-6 win last night over the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll talk about Joe Ross being shut down for the season with an elbow injury. And Devin Fink will give us his thoughts on some of the Nationals players they acquired in the trade for Trey Turner uh, and also some of the other trades as well. So a full show coming your way today on this Wednesday. We'll let you know first. Today's show is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Go to download the Spotify Greenroom app today on Apple or Android. All right, the Nats did get a win last night, but uh, unfortunately, it's not the really lead story for them right now. The big story for the Nationals is that right-hander Joe Ross will miss the rest of the season, but won't need surgery for his partially torn uh, ulnar collateral ligament, all of us know that as the UCL. This was according to manager Dave Martinez on Tuesday. And I'm reading right now from ESPN News and Services just because it's more of a you know, in general story. If it was something really uh, Nat-specific, I'd go to, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerman or Jesse Doherty, but we're just going to go with ESPN News and Services here. Instead, Ross will miss, uh, will rest his injury and, quote, go through some extensive rehab, end quote, with the hope that he can return to pitch in the spring, Martinez said. Ross was examined by Dr. Keith Meister, who performed Ross's Tommy John surgery back in 2017. Ross felt tightness in his right forearm after a bullpen session on Saturday, had an MRI that showed the partial tear of his ulnar collateral ligament. The Nationals sent Ross to Meister to determine whether a second Tommy John surgery was required. He was placed on the injury list Sunday. Quote, of course, he's not going to be happy because he wanted to continue to pitch, but I think that's great news, end quote, Martinez told reporters, according to Madison Sports. He said, quote, we'll get him the rest that he needs and then get him back on the mound as soon as we can. I don't expect him at this point to pitch any more this year. We want to make sure he's completely healthy and he's ready to go in spring training, end quote. Ross has been the Nationals' most consistent starter this season, uh, apart from Max Scherzer, who was traded to the Dodgers Obviously. So this is, uh, I've said it before, but it's difficult news for a couple reasons. Joe Ross is just 28 years old. I know he feels like he's been the Nationals' lives for a while now, Nationals' fans' lives, rather, for a while now, and he has. You know, his first appearance was in 2015. He made 16 starts back then, had a really uh, strong season for a guy just breaking into the league. Then we saw his struggles. You know, they, they persisted more in his um, second and or his third and fourth seasons, rather, uh, and even into his fifth season, right? You know, he was really strong in 19 starts that he made back in 2016 in the 3-4-3 ERA and 105 innings pitched. And it looked like he was on a trajectory that was going to put him uh, as he was a really solid star for the Nationals and be a guy that maybe could even be a front-end guy, you know, at some point in time. But, you know, he comes back the next year and only works 73 innings, 5-0-1 ERA. Now, obviously, this is when Joe Ross begins to go through you know, the, the Tommy John, and next year he only pitches uh, in three games, works a total of 16 innings. And then his fifth season, 2019, was not strong, but he did make some contributions to what was a championship-winning te- <clears throat> championship team, uh, 5-4 ERA and 64 innings. 
takes the year off in 2020, the COVID year. And uh, I think that was definitely the right move for Joe, considering that, you know, he was not getting any service time, but, um, you know, he's heading towards the last couple of years on his contract and he'll negotiate a new, new one for next year. Hopefully he's able to pitch, but 2021, I mean, he's, he's pitched in 19 games and he has been their most consistent starter. He's thrown 108 innings, a 417 ERA. And while, you know, the numbers as a whole don't, uh, don't show, you know, the prettiest picture, you know, there were some real stretches where Joe Ross put together a lot of quality starts. And uh, I know the first, Two months of the season for him, his first 10 starts really didn't deliver much. You know, a 4.64 ERA in April, a 6 ERA in the month of May. And across those 10 starts, he made the Nationals only won three of those games. But once he hit the month of June, you know, the, the team, uh, this is kind of when the team was hitting their stride. Joe was really strong. Save that one start he had against the Mets. Um Strong outings across the board. He had three starts where he gave up no earned runs and had a 1.95 ERA in the five starts he made in that month. You know, you go to August, he only pitched three times, but 3.94 ERA, it's not not horrible. It keeps you competitive. Last couple starts have been a, a bit of a challenge for Joe. Um, you know, not horrible. Five innings, four runs against the Mets, and then uh, and then six and a third innings three runs that he gave up against the Phillies to so still it's, you know, it's a strong start ish. Um, but Joe is, Joe has shown that he can be a arm in your rotation, a quality arm, a reliable arm. But the problem, you know, with reliability, I mean, in terms of performance, you go to the question now about reliability uh, in terms of injuries, right? This will now be the second time that he's had a semi, you know, Tommy John's significant. I'm not going to call this one significant yet. I'm also not a medical expert. So, I, I'm just gonna, you know, using my using my limited knowledge to say it's semi significant, right? I mean, there could be a, a point where he's rehabbing and they say, "No, we got to pull the trigger on surgery." Uh, I'm once again, I'm not a medical expert, but that feels like something that that could always happen in a situation like this. So, you know, for a guy who's been the Nationals' most consistent, I mean, Eric Vetti, um, you know, he has been so up and down this year, and Joe Ross has to some extent, but on a staff where they lost Strasburg and a staff where they traded Scherzer on a, stra- a staff where John Lester was bad on a staff where Patrick Corbin has been outright horrible on a staff where Paulo Espino has had to come in and he has been uh, good at times, but you know, was, he, he is what he is. He's, you know, he's kind of a journeyman pitcher and he's gotten rocked a lot of times too. Joe Ross has been that rock every five days. There's been a lot of dependability that, you know, Joe Ross can come out there and give them uh, quality, usually five to six innings and sometimes, you know, even more than that, uh, you know, he's he's had starts, um, you know, for him, like he's had a couple eight inning starts, right? Eight, seven inning starts, uh, a lot of six plus inning starts, right? So, you know, this is a guy that has given the Nets a lot of good innings on a team that's needed starters to eat those innings. And for Joe Ross, it's tough to see his season end this way. But I, I think he really made a good accounting of himself this year. And um, this was a big season. And I think even though it ended in an injury for him, I thought he made the right move when it comes down to it. I think at the end of the day, Joe Ross made the right decision for him sitting out last year and good for him for doing so. Um, he is arbitration eligible at the end of the season. 2023 is when he will be a restricted free agent. So um, he's making 1.5 this year, depending on how the injury goes in the offseason. You could see that jumping a little bit, but um, I think he's proven 
that this is a guy they want to be part of the rotation if they sign him and they don't want to be too competitive next year. It's a guy also they could potentially flip at the deadline. So I think he's a very valuable asset for the Nationals moving forward. Um, I think they're going to be excited to you know get another year of him. Hopefully he can get back healthy and either be a part of the rotation uh, or be a part of the rotation eventually help the team out the way Max Scherzer did, right? Trading him uh, away and getting something out of him. But it's a guy who's been with the Nats ever since he came up into the major leagues, just 28 years old. And you guys, I, I'm more of the opinion that the pitching prime can be between 29, 33, 34 sometimes, depending on the guy, depending how you, you know, how you toss. And I think Joe Ross, definitely a guy that is entering the prime of his career. Now that could be, you know, offset by the injuries he suffered. But um, I, I think this year's strong performances amidst a really difficult season all around, I think Joe Ross has shown that he definitely uh, will be a part of this rotation next year because he's been, I mean, besides Scherzer, he has been their best pitcher, their most reliable pitcher, and has given them some really strong outings. I was there that day that he threw the eight inning, you know, eight innings against the Giants. Uh, it's the best team in baseball right now. And he was in command and control of that, that Giants lineup from the word go. So he's somebody who brings uh, a lot to the table, and you just feel bad for the kid. Uh, I know I'm saying kid is older than I am, but you know, he's, you know, he's in his twenties. He's trying to, you know, he's, he's having a really strong year, making a great accounting of himself and, and this happens. So, uh, and also hurts his financial future as well. This is something we'll be taking into consideration every single time he goes to the negotiating table now moving forward. All right, let's take a break on a positive note. We'll talk about the Nationals win last night against the Toronto Blue Jays, 12 to six. But first a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Spotify Greenroom is a great place for fans to interact with each other, to interact with uh, writers and podcast hosts. We do one every single week here at the Locked On Nationals podcast. Always fun to have you all join us. Download the Spotify Greenroom app today on your iPhone, on your iPad, and you guys can join in the conversation. You can start rooms yourself. If you want to, you can join rooms that are available. You select which sports you're into, and that kind of will um, aggregate and, and, and separate the rooms for you. Uh, we do trivia and takes every uh, every week at some point in time. Um, we're doing it on Wednesday today, so you know. hopefully if you guys hear this, we'll be doing it uh, around noon coming up today. Hope you guys can join us. But yeah, make sure you guys go download the Spotify Greener Map uh, today. All right, so the Nationals got a win last night. They win 12-6. to over the Toronto Blue Jays. And if you watched this game, um, you probably came away with the same thought that I did. They were taking out their anger on the Blue Jays last night. They were really, uh, it looked like a lot of frustration, and the Nationals' offense came and delivered in a way they have not delivered, in my opinion, in the last, uh, you know, in, in recent memory, in the last couple games, I should say. And this was a collective effort. That's what I think stuck out to me the most on the pitching side, which is where we'll start. Um, uh, Eric Fetty gets the win, five innings, three earned runs, 94 pitches, four Ks, three walks. This was not his best performance, but it was a good enough performance to keep his team in the game. Well, they're winning at that point, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, but, you know, that's a performance that keeps your team in the game. It's just a solid start for him, and, and he's trying to build and be more consistent, uh, Eric Fetty is. And then Alec Manoa, uh, you know, who have been really strong so far this year, for the Blue Jays, they got to him. They got to him pretty early on. The scoring started with a Yadiel Hernandez missile to right field uh, that he absolutely cranked 355 feet. No, that's not the longest distance, but it got out in a hurry. Um, the Blue Jays did tie it up. The Nationals, the bottom of the third, 
just absolutely put it on. Escobar doubles, Hernandez singles, Bell scores on a throwing error, key boom, it's sacrifice. We love the variety in scoring because the next inning also, we get a Riley Adams home run. Uh, the Blue Jays did make a push back into this game. They end up scoring four straight to make it eight to six. The Nationals bottom of the eighth get a Zimmerman sack fly, an Adams double, and a Robles single. So this shows a scoring variety. And for Riley Adams, I'm sure, you know, this is where we should start. I'm sure this felt very good for him. Three for four night for Mr. Adams, who once was a Toronto Blue Jay and uh, really didn't work out for him there. But he's got a fresh start with the Nationals now, came over in that trade for Brad Hand and is quickly trying to establish himself and get himself in that catcher's mix. I think we all expect next year catcher number one to be K-Bear Ruiz. Uh, I think there's no doubt that the Nationals will be keen on bringing him up next season. The question is, who is going to be that second guy? Obviously, the Nats get a catcher in the A's trade. They get a a catcher right here in this trade as well, uh, the Brad Hand trade. And then also they've got Trace Barrera, Right there. So Riley Adams right now is putting in that work, trying to become, trying to get himself uh, a spot on this Nationals roster moving forward. And also a guy potentially, you know, depending on how things go, how the Nationals roster looks next year, a guy who could be a designated hitter uh, in certain in certain spurts, I think you could say. Somebody also who has just been a great performer all year long is the young yet old Yadiel Hernandez. What I mean by that is Yadiel uh, is 33 years old. But also, he is a technical rookie. I mean, this guy is, um, you know, he's he only played 12 games last year. This year, though, in 75 games and 145 plate appearances, he is hitting 303 with a 365 on base. He's got five homers and 18 runs driven in. So for Yadiel, this is a guy who goes up to the plate looking to do some damage every single time up there. Yeah, he's got 36 strikeouts on the year. This is a guy who's going up there trying to make something happen. I think the Nationals need that in their lineup. Uh, This is a guy that Dave Martinez had mentioned might get a chance to start next year in left field. And um, a cost-effective option for sure. Starting quality, I don't know. But look, a guy who's played well enough to get himself in this mix and be a part of this team Moving forward, and that's part of this right now, is figuring out which guys are going to be a part of your plans in the distant future. Um, Juan Soto has a nice night. He goes to uh, one for two, rather, with a walk. This guy is just getting on. He's getting on base. A ridiculous clip. Uh, Josh Bell goes one for four. As I mentioned, Yadiel Hernandez had a nice night. Carter Keboom has just been so solid since coming back up and rejoining the ranks at the major league level. It's a guy that we all know about. 23 years old, uh, born in the same year, 97, that I was born in, and some of the Nationals had really big plans for, but it has not really worked out for him. And uh, he came up in April, and let's let's go back before that, right? This is somebody they wanted to have that third base job, but was not good enough. And with Josh Harrison's quality play, with Stalin Castro at that point over there uh, at third base, second base, whatever, you know, whatever it was, they didn't need him um, because he wasn't playing well enough. And to see him come back up and struggle in the end of July, 17 ABs, it's 176, but turns the page in the month of August. He's hitting 302 with a 367 on base. He's driven in nine runs. Um, he's walked, you know, a fair amount, walked six times as well. So this is a guy that is providing, and he's also got an 819 OPS too. So not, not, not you know, not crazy high, but um, 
you know, he is producing some now. And this was a spot that I talked to Max Raymond about this. Look, if you can't, if you can't deliver in this situation, when are you going to be able to deliver? This feels like the Nationals are going to be on kind of a two-year trajectory, two- to three-year trajectory rebuild. And Carter Keboom needs to make his case for why he should be part of it. It's a guy that's going to be, you know, cost-effective because they've got some team control because he's a younger guy, but also a guy that needs to deliver more often, needs to be more solid at third base, um, and I think he can be. Just got to continue to rep, rep, rep. We talk about that all the time with Luis Garcia, who has not been as strong uh, in his return to the major leagues. But those two guys just need more reps. That's really simply put. Uh, that's what those two guys need at this point in time. And for uh, Garcia, you know, he's hitting 212. But this is when you do it. This is when you hit 212. You know, at, at his age, at 21, getting this experience. You know, once again, he was the youngest player to ever, uh, first player born in the 2000s to Homer in the majors uh, last year that happened. So that's a guy, once again, so youthful, so young. But these reps are really valuable reps, no matter how low leverage the spot might actually be. Uh, on the pitching side, this was a good comment from Jesse Doherty last night. He said, power sinkers has entered the game, and that's what Mason Thompson continues to bring. Last night, though, that was actually his worst outing. We finally saw Mason Thompson struggle. He gives up, uh, gives up um, two walks, uh, a couple hits as well. It ends up giving up two earned runs, by far his worst outing. But Kyle Finnegan, Gabe Klobuchar sits. Uh, Andres Machado all work some scoreless innings, plural. Mason Thompson struggles, and, and this is something else we talked about, guys. This is good. Struggle is good. Adversity is good. These young guys need to go through it in some way, shape, or form because that is going to help them way down the line. Uh, also, something to mention, runners in scoring position, uh, five for seven for the Nats, and then one for 11 for the Jays. So Nats double up the Jays, 12 to six. The next game of that series is going to take place tonight, just a two-game series, as you guys will recall, these interleague series. Uh, it's usually a two-and-two. Two. So the Nationals and Blue Jays will wrap up that series today, 4 5 uh, on Masson. Uh, the pitching matchup today is going to be Josiah Gray against newly acquired Jose Barrios. So a whole lot to watch there. Always fun whenever Josiah Gray takes the bump for the Nets. All right, one more break, and on the other side of it, uh, I'm going to play some more of my conversation with Devin Fink of Fangraphs. He and I talk about some of the other Nationals players that they acquire, and I get uh, a few of his thoughts on that and some other things around baseball. But first, one more word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting, best-for-you protein bar in the game today. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Check out all their available flavors. They've got a great collection. Once again, I'll, I'll reiterate this. Uh, if you guys have not watched what they did for the BYU football team, go ahead and go watch. the uh, All the walk-ons on the BYU football team are getting their scholarships paid for by Built Bar. This is not some recruiting ploy. A lot of people do think it is. I mean, in some ways it is. But they also, uh, it's a really awesome thing that they're doing that all of these kids are getting their tuition paid for um, on the football team. Those guys who work hard. So awesome stuff by Built Bar there. Available flavors now, coconut, cherry bar, chia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and German chocolate. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Uh, calorie ranges, calories range from 130 to 180. Only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavor all tasty, all healthy. Go to built.com. Use the promo code 
LOCKED15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off on your order now at Built.com. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is also brought to you by our friends from BetOnline.ag. Whether it's NFL preseason, college football futures, MLB games, UFC, boxing, Formula One, whatever you want to bet on, they've got it at betonline.ag. It's so easy to sign up. You go there today on your phone, on your tablet, on your computer. I've been saying this lately, on your iPod Touch. If you still have one of those, you can go there today. Uh, use the promo code Locked On when you sign up, and also signing up is free. But use that promo code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On, and you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus. If you deposit 100 bucks, give you an extra 50 to play with today. Bet online, they're your online sportsbook experts. All right, on to my conversation with Devin Fink of Fangraphs. Devin, I actually want to ask you about a couple of the moves the Nationals made. Just get your thoughts on them. So I thought, like, I thought the Nationals could have gotten Ruiz and Gray for a player like Turner with one year of control. I don't know if they necessarily got enough from the Dodgers, but the deal's a deal. It's over. All right, it's, it's been done. Um, I've watched Josiah Gray, so I'm not sure if you've been able to watch him at all. I really, I really like the kid. I think he's a smart pitcher. I think he is, uh, I like the way I kind of see him adapting from start to start. And I think he is a, you know, just kind of on the non-tangible side, competitive, right? Um, I like the fact that in a rotation of guys that are not being very competitive right now, save Joe Ross and Josiah Gray, he is being competitive. Every day he goes out there, he's it's only three starts, but the guy has the stuff. And he has the mental, you know, fortitude, just kind of the knowledge to make sure his team is competitive every single day. Now he's getting beat on the home run ball like crazy. Clearly something he has to, he has to, has to figure out. But Max Scherzer gets, got beaten the home run ball a lot at, at times. So I think that's a good problem to have. It's not like teams are keeping the line moving against them right now. No, I, I think sometimes home run, you know, you can't get inside a pitcher's head. But one thing that I always really liked about Scherzer um, is that he was like, if there's nobody on base, attack them, throw in the mm-hmm. zone. It's going to make you more efficient. You might give up a home run, but it's only going to be one run. And ultimately you're going to get more strikeouts. You're going to keep your pitch count down. You're going to walk fewer guys and then nibble when there's runners on base. And, you know, Scherzer was so good at that because he could paint the corners so right. well that it was fine. Right. And his ERAs were always low. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I have, I have watched a little bit of gray, um, not as much as I would have liked, but, um, you know, I think he's, he does have the stuff. Um, I, and I, you know, sometimes the home run ball isn't, isn't a bad thing. I mean, he is yeah. showing up to be a fly ball pitcher. Um, and so take with that, what you will, the, the home runs could remain a problem and he could be very dependent on that home run per fly ball rate. Get lucky one year and he's a Cy Young candidate, get really unlucky <laughs> one year and he's, he's problematic. And so some of that might come out of sequencing and pitching different, uh, with runners on base. Um, and I know in recent years, Scherzer has actually, I remember writing about this uh, maybe in 2019, he actually upped his ground ball rate to over 40% for the first time. Um, it's back down in the low thirties. So he yeah. too is, is more of a fly ball guy and he, and he gets away with it, but also has lower home run for fly ball rates. Um, so, you know, and, and those things tend to even out. So yes, I like the early returns. I like that there haven't been a lot of walks um, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with all the strikeouts he's racking up. I mean, he struck out more than 30% of hitters this year in over hundred batters face need more time to know what it's real, but the pedigree and the early returns, you can't be upset by that. It's better than if, 
you know, he came out and was looking like Spencer Howard and, and how he's right. done. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, that guy falls apart in like the second time to the order. Um, Kamir Ruiz is the other big guy they got. And look, I, I always plead the fifth on prospects. Like I've watched him take like two swings on Twitter. And I think I watched like a three minute YouTube video about him. Uh, Look, if you're not in the major leagues, guys, I'm really sorry. It's just if you're like, yeah, I'm the cover, same way. It's hard. Yeah, to do, if you cover multiple sports, but hey, look, it's exciting they got a catch. A, 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 they really loaded up on catchers too. I mean, they got Riley Adams for Brad Hand. Uh, they, they got a kid from Oakland who's a catcher in that Jan Gomes and uh, Josh Harrison trade, and they get K. Bear Ruiz. Do you know anything about K. Bear Ruiz that you can tell us that maybe we don't already know? I don't know. Shit I mean, so. he, look, he, he's known for having a fantastic hit tool. And if the power comes around, then he's a cornerstone type of catcher. Mm-hmm. And so this year, uh, the power has come around. I mean, he, he hit 16 homers and 231 plate appearances uh, for the Dodgers in AAA. Um, and so I think that's really upped his, upped his potential, um, ultimately. It was, it was always a question of power for him. Um, you know, there, there were some seasons where he would homer just 10 times in 400 plate appearances. Now he's homered 16 times in 200 some plate appearances. So um, if, if he can even sustain like 200 levels of ISO in, in the major leagues, isolated power, I think ultimately he's, he could be a superstar. Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I do believe that is in line with most uh, prospect uh, analysts would say that if the power is there, he has such a good hit tool um, he's ultimately going to, to thrive in the major leagues. And so that's what it'll ultimately be a question of. And, and uh, if not, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a very high contact bat at catcher because that's the one position where if you have a, a good hitter on the other side, your team's just automatically so much better because of how scarce good hitters are, especially ones who play every day. So it makes Chetiro Muto so valuable. Yeah. I mean, that catcher position too, it's just, I've talked about it several times this show, but I mean, the, the, I, the reason why we're seeing these catchers being coveted and going, you know, we saw Henry Davis and Adley Rushman. I mean, having a guy that is a good hitter and not only that, but can run your pitching staff. I mean, what a valuable asset to have. You take one of those things, right? The idea of having potentially both of them together, this it's what makes, I mean, catcher is in my opinion, the premium position, right? Guys can get moved from short to second, even third. You know, the Mets are the fifth shortstop right now. They're playing, you know, the Nats are, are playing Alcides Escobar over there. But they, they just found a dude, right? He hasn't played since 2019. They found him. He's playing. You can't just find a catcher, right? There aren't right. just catchers lying around. To me, you know, it, it is – I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but it is the premium position. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's only, there's only five catchers this season that have even accumulated enough plate appearances to be qualified hitters. And so if you have a guy like Will Smith or, or JT Real Muto, like you're going to be so much better off. Or I know he's hurt, but even Yasmani Grandal, who, you know, is a whole nother can of worms with, with his batting <laughs> average and his, and his just stat bizarre line. numbers, just but absolutely bizarre. He too is like, just add something to your lineup um, into your pitching staff. Um, I know he's had problems with defense in the past, but, but yes, the broader point is like, you know, if you have a guy who's a cornerstone um, I think catches are a little bit undervalued. We don't really have a great way of, of, of valuing game calling. Um, that's really something that it's, it's hard to say, like where that values come from. But working with the pitching staff, I think, is something that does matter a lot. And so, you know, guys like Buster Posey, who has always been truly like heralded for his fantastic defense, 
and also hits really well and is back hitting unreal this year, like that just makes your team so much better and it has residual effects too that other positions don't have. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, what are you, before I get you out of here, what are you most excited about here as we head down the final stretch of the season? I know the Phillies flag is behind you. Um, so yeah. You know, no, no, I stay impartial. I stay impartial. Uh, no, I, I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just joking with you. Um, I'm the same way too. Uh, what are you really watching here as we go down the stretch? I think the NLS race has got to be the most interesting thing that's going on in baseball right now. I mean, are the Padres going to lose their grip on, on the playoff spot? Like, are the Reds going to catch them? Are the, the Cardinals have won six games in a row? They, they ever went for whatever reason in the mix? Like, Jay Happ tossed, like, five and two-thirds shutout innings mm. for them, and he has a six ERA. Like, what is going on? Right. Um, and, and the only reason I'm salty about that is I thought it was going to cost me fantasy baseball. Like, who picks up Jay Happ <laughs> in 2021? I don't know. But, um, no, I just think, like, at the end of the day, uh, the NLS race has got to be the most fascinating thing. I still think the Dodgers are better than the Giants, but with each Man. game, there's fewer games left for them to you catch know, them. Devin, and it could be a 103 win Dodgers I, team playing in I the saw the Dodgers. Game. I saw the Giants play at Nats Park earlier this season. And, like, just they're not in any way, shape, or form overwhelming at all. But they're 34 games over 500. I mean, they're a machine. They're, they're, they're a well-oiled and, machine. And, and, the run, and the run differential, like, that's one of my favorite stats to, to just look at and see, like, how real something is, how, like, how mediocre team. Look, they've got the second – no, sorry. That was – they've got the third best run differential in baseball. I mean, Dodgers at plus 193, they're, they're well ahead of the pack. And the Astros at 165. Mm-hmm. Then there's the Giants at 144. Like, it backs it up. Maybe, maybe not to this degree, but it backs up that they are, like – a very good team. And I think their thing is they have no holes. They're a depth machine. You know, Farhan, mm-hmm. he built a depth machine in the, in Los Angeles, goes to the Giants and builds a depth machine. They have, they have valuable contributors come out of absolutely nowhere. And I think it's just awesome to watch. Um, Darren Ruff, one of my personal favorites, mm. um, you know, former Phillies farmhand, didn't ultimately pan out, went to Korea, came back and is now raking for the Giants. Um, just seeing, and then, the resurgences. I know Evan Longoria is hurt, but like seeing him, you know, have a fantastic year, see Buster Posey come back and then guys like Lamonte Wade Jr. I mean, mm-hmm. having a great well, and, and their rotation too is really interesting because it's all guys who are well known for performances elsewhere. Right. Cueto is known for his time. Uh, mostly I th- I'd say mostly probably known for Cincinnati, right? Yes. Alex Wood is known for his time elsewhere. Anthony DiSclefani of Cincinnati Reds fame and Kevin Gosman who has become a fly, I mean, is legitimate Cy Young candidate this year, um, you know, up there right now, known for his time in Baltimore. They brought in all of these people. I mean, and also the, the Darren Ruff point. How many jokes have you heard this year? People were like, Darren Ruff's still in organized baseball. Wow. Like, it's unbelievable. This I know. He has, he has a 148 WRC plus and, and 220 plate appearances. I mean, he's having a, almost two wars. He's having a great, great, great season. And, and this guy, like, was like, you know, rake it in Korea, but never thought to be an actual, you know, legitimate major league guy. He's putting up out similar, of baseball. He was out of baseball for four lines. years. Out was, of baseball for four years. How often ma- does that happen? I mean, major league, but yeah, I mean, he was in Korea for from 17 to 19. Um, and he's putting up like similar WRC plus marks in MLB that he was putting up in Korea. Like mm-hmm. that is kind of hard for me to wrap my head around when you think about the quality of, of talent. The fact that his mm-hmm. stats basically perfectly translated means he must have gotten immensely better, mm-hmm. which is awesome. 
That's pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. Um, all right, Devin, where can people find you and your work? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Devin Fink. It's D-E-V-A-N-F-I-N-K. Uh, you can find my work at Fangraphs. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty active on Twitter. You can always tweet me, shoot me questions, whatnot. So that's the best place to, to find it, interact. But I'm on Fangraphs a couple times a week, and that's where you can be, read my more in-depth writing. Devin, appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me on. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.